I think the Lightning missed maybe its its super super golden window of opportunity. And and you know with any new product, there is that window of opportunity, and you either hit it when it's hot or you miss it, and then you're sort of chasing demand that was there and is now somewhere else. Hello, everyone, and welcome to SoCon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in Silicon Valley and the tech world. Our host is veteran journalist and author Mike Malone. He's here with special contributor Scott Budman of NBC Bay Area. The producer is Jordan Henderson. The Silicon Insider is sponsored by Santa Clara University, located in the heart of Silicon Valley. Established in 1851, Santa Clara University is the oldest operating institution of higher learning in California. It counts among its alumni many of today's leading Silicon Valley engineers, lawyers, and executives. You can learn more about Santa Clara University at www.scu.edu. So, hey, Scott, long time no see. Well, hello. Good to see you as well. Uh, we had Thanksgiving, and before that, we had technical problems. So it's been a couple of weeks now. <laughs> anyway, I want to start with the breaking news that I want to cast back a little bit. So right off. Thursday, yesterday, Tesla finally introduced, I shouldn't say introduced, it announced a delivery event, quote unquote, of its Cybertruck. Because it introduced the truck two years ago. And now apparently they're finally delivering it. Uh, it was an event held in um, at Tesla's Gigafactory in Austin, right? So right. you watching it on live feed? Yeah, uh, and boy, I think we actually saw the Cybertruck in 2019 in November. So I believe we're going back four years when we first saw it and the windows were famously broken and everything in the demo. Uh, and now they are rolling off the line officially. The first, it looked like about 10 or a dozen uh, were given the, um, I guess, the virtual keys and they got to drive off in their Cybertruck after shaking hands with Elon Musk there in uh, Texas. Um, and, you know... Being here in Silicon Valley, we've seen a few out in the wild uh, lately where, you know, I think they're the test ones. And now it will be a very... The old son saw one on El Camino on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, we're starting to see them. Um, and I think it's going to take a while before they, they, you know, really take over. But apparently there are a lot of orders and a lot of people waiting for them. And so it just is one of those things, like with every new vehicle, especially a new EV, where they seem to take some time to, to get out there in the wild, but eventually we'll start to see these rolling around. Okay, well, let me ask, I have some very specific questions. One that was interesting to me, they have 1 million reservations already? Is that that's correct? What, that's what Tesla That's a lot of trucks. Yeah, take it with a grain of salt. That's what Tesla claims. Um, and the reservation is not paying, you know, between sixty dollars and $100,000 for a car. A reservation is throwing down 100 bucks and saying, I'll wait. Um, yeah. But that's much different than buying a, an actual <laughs> full vehicle. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's excitement around this, I think partly because it's a Tesla, partly because it's EV. Uh, trucks are big sellers, as you know, firsthand. And and then there's this sort of, you know, uh, sort of unusualness, uh, otherness of the Cybertruck that I think has attracted a lot of people as well. Okay, so let's say all one million people decide put down their money. Can Tessa fulfill that order? I mean, I'm getting, I'm reading stories that they're having a hard time getting this thing built. And there's a lot of hitches and it's turning out to be more expensive because of the pro the, the production time and all of that. Could they fulfill the order 
of a million trucks right now. No, not right now. Not not close. And and they're admitting that. Um, and to get back to the cost, yes, the cost is going to be more. They had initially said it'll be around forty to start with. Um, as far as the two models that will be available next year in twenty twenty four, it's going to start around sixty or so and go up to a hundred. There is a base model that you know has less of a range, around two hundred fifty miles range, that they say will cost around forty nine fifty. Um, but that will be ready till twenty twenty five. So. The rollout will be gradual. Next year, we'll see the sort of middle model, um, and that should start around 60. And then the full, what they call the cyber beast, uh, that'll be about 100 grand. And, you know, again, you don't put the money full down until you get the truck. And so it's going to take a while to roll these things out and therefore a while to take all that money and, and put it towards, you know, its its bottom line. Okay, so... A lot has changed since they first introduced that truck in the world of EVs. I mean, that it, it rose greatly afterwards. I mean, it was the hottest thing in the world was electric cars two years ago. But now we're starting to see Ford and GM and a lot of companies saying demand isn't there. And they're beginning to end contracts on production a cutback on their investments. Is there still the same market out there for the Cybertruck that there was when, you know, Elon first rolled it out? It's a great question. And and time will tell because remember, the demand was for people willing to put down a hundred dollars. And the demand was not for people willing to, you know, shell out sixty to a hundred dollars. Excuse me, sixty to a hundred thousand dollars. So we'll know if that demand is still there. You're right about the um the other trucks, uh, I mean, you see a lot of Rivians on the road, even though that's a very expensive truck. Um, the F-150s, you, you know, they cut back on that. And this is, I think, for Ford, a, a missed opportunity. Uh, you know, the F-150 for years has been the best-selling vehicle, period, in yeah. America. Uh, the demand was high. They were nowhere near meeting the initial demand. And I think people sort of fell off. They either decided, oh, I'm not going to save for this or... I'll buy a Rivian or I'll wait for the Cybertruck or I'll buy a Chevy. There are other EV truck op you know, options out there. And so it's surprising that by now, that right now we're not seeing a ton of EV F-150s because I think Ford missed its window and now is contacting people saying, oh, we got it now. And a lot of them have said, well, I moved on. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, it's, I guess, I'm like not, anything. I'm not new. sure I've seen a lightning in the wild. I have, but not many. And yet I've seen a lot of Rivians in the wild. I've seen a lot of Rivians. Yeah. And um, I think the Lightning missed maybe its its super, super golden window of opportunity. And, and, you know, with any new product, there is that window of opportunity. And you either hit it when it's hot or you miss it. And then you're sort of chasing demand that was there and is now somewhere else. And I'm afraid that's what Ford is doing. And you add in all the other distractions and they strike and, you know, try to come back at everything. Um, and I wonder if people aren't, you know, the word of mouth right now is more likely to be your neighbor that owns a Rivian, right, than uh, a Lightning. So, and that's how these EVs seem to spread is, is people saying to their neighbors, no, it's okay. I don't run out of juice and end up on the side of the road. I get all the benefits of owning a truck or a sedan or whatever, and I'm not polluted. I'm, st I'm still of two minds. I mean, 
it doesn't seem like the kind of truck that you throw a shotgun and a hog in the back. You know, it seems like it'd be difficult to load and to use and all that. On the other hand, and also the obviously the mileage uh, on electric, but you got a you got a high torque engine in that thing. I mean, one of the great appeals of trucks is they got a lot of torque, and right. this got torque to spare. And I'll, yeah, if it's, if it's if it shows up on farms or if it shows up for just wealthy guys, you know, who are living in Woodside or something that just wants to have a truck. Right. And and it's interesting. I noticed that uh, during the Cybertruck delivery event, where often for a Tesla event, the car is presented as rolling down a road at night, you know, with your family inside tucked in. Oh, and by the way, you don't pollute. The Cybertruck rollout event was like, here we are, you know, just gunning up mountains and pulling and hauling things. So clearly they're going after truck owners because Musk over flourishes everything. They had scenes of someone literally pumping bullets into the side of a truck because really that's what all truck owners worry about is, is someone just stepping right up. Yeah, you know, young people, I keep hearing it's bulletproof, isn't it? You know, they love that fact. I guess. Uh, I mean, it is a hard steel body, but really does it satisfy the truck owner? And there were plenty of scenes of the cyber truck being loaded and having stuff thrown in the back and going up these hills and everything, I think, to appeal to that truck owner. Um, and, and that makes sense because you're right. you got to appeal to your core audience, even if the audience is looking at this vehicle going, what in the world is this? They've right. got to know it's got a decent range. Right now, the range looks from about 320 to 340 miles per charge, um, a ton of torque. They showed that it goes faster acceleration than a Porsche 911, uh, because again, isn't that what every truck owner wants to do? Uh, and, but just to point out, these EVs are fast. Well, we'll see. We, the proof will be in the pudding very soon. Now they're going to start delivering and officially delivering in what January in volume. Yeah, right. So I mean, I guess officially, officially, it's now. But they're they're going to be rolling off. I've even seen one or two of those um, sort of truck holders, you know, car holders driving up the 101 to Tesla headquarters with cyber trucks on them. So you're starting to see some of the, you know, sort of on the way to delivery trucks as well. And uh, so I think, it, again, it's going to be gradual, but you'll start to see them out in the wild. Um, and now the question is, will those people who are willing to put down $100 be willing to put down, uh, you know, 60, 70, 80, 100,000 to get these cyber trucks? Okay, well, Elon basically sucked all of the oxygen out of the news this week on various stories. I don't want, I'll get to him in a minute. But first, I want to kind of debrief you since we weren't around last week. You spent the week before that at the summit in San Francisco and down at Filoli, uh, the Asian Economic Conference Summit, where the President of the United States met with the uh, the the head of the Communist Party in China. What was that like? They cleaned yeah, the streets. They gotten all the all the homeless. They I don't know where they hit them in a hangar somewhere out on the on the Pier 19 or something. But they cleaned up the streets. You had all these national leaders showing up. And what what was it like for you? It was uh, San Francisco that I hadn't seen before, and I'm I'm from here. It was the streets were much cleaner. You're right. Uh, a lot of the homeless were 
um, you know, put into, uh, um, you know, temporary housing, hopefully on the way to full-time housing. San Francisco obviously has a huge problem with that and a huge concern that the streets were clean. Um, there were uh, no homeless people, but instead tons, I mean, tons of Secret Service and SWAT agents. And at every corner, you had a massive, massive security presence. The, the four-block walk from the NBC building uh, that where we were able to park to Moscone Center turned into a two-mile walk because everything was closed down and fenced off. It was very much like one of those post-apocalyptic movies where the only vehicles you see are police vehicles. And, uh, you know, we did one story just on all the poor restaurants that were behind these fences, you know, and they think, ah, the world is coming to us. This is going to be good for business. But, it was, you know, you really couldn't get to these places. But once we got, because we had credentials to the Moscone Center, um, you know, it was it was neat. We're, we're sitting in on meetings with Condoleezza Rice talking about the future of AI. Um, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, talking about climate tech. Uh, President Biden addressing the CEO summit, uh, talking about the need for security at the time, you know, talking about chips and talking to the CEOs of startups about how, you know, America is counting on you. And uh, it was really interesting to be in those rooms uh, as these uh, talks were being given and questions were being asked. And again, everywhere protests were happening. We saw protests outside. We even saw one of the Biden speeches interrupted by a protest. Um, that is what we see now here in the Bay Area all the time, whether it's, uh, you know, pro-Xi, anti-Xi in China, or obviously uh, with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict going on. Um, and so you sort of had this almost proto- revisionist 60s kind of things happening where here we were fighting our way literally through protesters to get to these politicians who are talking about the future of, of the free world and and in some cases the not so free world and it was fascinating okay so you have a gigantic twitter x and facebook presence how much interest was there in this summit in the rest of the world it was interesting there was a lot of interest outside. I got more foreign hits on my Twitter account because of this uh, and by foreign, you know, other countries, especially in the Asian Pacific region outside of, of us. Uh, and, and that was interesting. You know, a lot of the people, let's say, that were there for President Xi were, were protesting him. But a lot of people we saw uh, for the, the president of Mexico were, were thrilled that he was part of this. And so you did see a lot of that uh, showing up in the feed. Uh, but you have to understand that even during the Asian Pacific Economic Cooperation Conference. Um, Elon Musk was, uh, you know, um, putting out comments that fueled anti-Semitism. Advertisers were fleeing. And so as I was tweeting that out, that was blowing up. Uh, and it was just this, this crazy time for news. Um, and then at the very end of the week, of course, um, I am literally a couple of hours away from being in a room where I believe it was Emily Chang, the uh, the terrific anchor on Bloomberg, interviewing Sam Altman. A couple hours later, while writing up, you know, the story, we're hearing that Sam Altman is gone. You know, while the public markets are still open on a Friday, which tanked Microsoft stock uh, and sent OpenAI into a week long absolute, uh, you know, telenovela of a drama. I mean, it was that kind of a week, um, and it, it felt like sixteen hour days for you. Yeah, very much. We had to get there super early because of all the security. And then the day just couldn't wrap up. You know, it was like, ah, even the week couldn't wrap up. It's like, we've gotten through this giant conference. We've gotten through 
the Twitter ad thing, at least phase one. And then Friday afternoon, we get the uh, Sam Altman open AI news. And, you know, you've got this buzz in the media room that's literally international because there are international press members from all over who are all of a sudden looking at me like, wait a minute, OpenAI, San Francisco, that's right here. Tell me about this company. And so it, it became a fascinating uh, exercise. In so you're doing, you're just, doing feeds at 6 and 11 on your station. Are you also getting signs of the UAW now is going to turn its other parts of the world? From the big not, three. Not, well, a little bit, yeah. And target which, Tesla. Which usually only Do you hear any rumors on that or Apple stories? Events. I mean, it seems logical <laughs> Where, uh, that without, gotten with those huge the victories they got China with and Israel Ford and General and, and, Motors you know, and, and all and, that, why uh, wouldn't they of course they're trans go after for, Tesla? You know. uh, well, they absolutely but, um, are. And the yeah, big three, it, it was interesting uh, to talk according to the organizer fine, is now the big five or six. And that includes Tesla. And, you know, I mean, we have goodness. you got to hand it to story. Labor. And I mean, so, the unions have uh, rather, chalked up the W's recently smooth, from Hollywood you know, quick to Detroit into, um, uh, to Starbucks. Weekend, uh, and just you know, it's interesting the, the break, that, um, you know, there were all these questions. The end what's result for most Ford, of these strikes has been happen with Altman, better wages. With, and that's you know, good for the overall and, economy. Uh, and you just realize, you know, without going too much into it, where the power lies. And it lies with Satya Nadella. And he is the master of this universe. And I think that is the reason that. His stock price is back up. OpenAI is back up for business. Uh, I mean, that is the, the hand that rocks the valley right now. Okay. And so at one point, you go down the peninsula, halfway home to Filoli, and, uh, which is for readers, listeners who aren't in the Silicon Valley, it's a mansion that's a, sta a state park, regional park down the peninsula. And that's for the summit between uh, Biden and Xi. Okay, that must have had a hell of a security lineup covering that thing, keeping you out. You were you're like you're like pointing at bushes, weren't you, and saying they're meeting in there. Well, so I was I was the Moscone Center guy, and we had reporters at Filoli Gardens, which I've been to before. They're lovely to walk yeah, around. It's there, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's really it's a very nice, pretty, romantic place. Um, and uh, but the reporters who were there. Uh, said the surreal thing was the protesters, you know, from from the pro she side and the anti she side, would literally not just yell at each other like we normally see. Uh, they they exchanged fisticuffs. They were just fighting, just going at it, you know, waving flags and then and then hitting each other with the flags. It was it was amazing. And a quick anecdote: I'm at Moscone Center, uh, noticing um, the Twitter feed of of one of the reporters that's down there, and they're literally just watching these these people fighting each other. And I say out loud, wow, you've got a lot of protests at Filoli Center. There is a reporter from China, a tech reporter from China sitting across from me. And she says, oh, you know, you're, you're at the uh, talking about someone at the Xi event. And I said, yeah, there's a lot of protesters. She leans forward and she says, did they start fighting? <laughs> and I said, well, matter of fact, they did. How did you know? It happens everywhere. And he goes, except China, of course, we don't allow that. Right. Uh, so yeah, um, it, it, this this protest thing is is um, something I guess that happens everywhere he goes, pretty much. Okay, well that sounds unique. I, I was struck by one moment that seemed a little surreal when we had all the Silicon Valley oligarchs sitting at that uh, event, and it, and Chairman Xi walks in and he gets a big ovation, and I thought, well, that's interesting. You know, I, I don't quite know what to think of it, especially as most of these guys are trying to get their operations out of China, even as we speak. I mean, they're, they're 
sort of trying to get their operations out of China, but I think they still recognize how much they sell in China. And I think if you sort of tried to read between the lines of what President Biden, Vice President Harris, even Condoleezza Rice uh, was saying is, um, boy, wouldn't it be nice if we had better relations, not business relations, but, you know, a, a more friendly relationship with China. And perhaps there were fewer human rights abuses that we had to worry about because, my gosh, we are, as business nations back and forth, really good at um, selling and buying each other's products and chips and phones and cars. And there was almost this wistfulness to APEC of, wouldn't it be nice if the sort of flat earth that Thomas Friedman always writes about was a smoother, you know, a smoother road, um, less fraught with, uh, with, you know, concerns that are legitimate concerns, obviously. Um, and uh, it would just, there's just so much business to be done between these nations. And I, and I speak of the whole Asia Pacific region, um, but, uh, but for a lot of these political things that keep getting in the way. Well, the representative from Vietnam must have been grinning because he's getting all of that business now, moving there. Okay, uh, let's keep, you mentioned several things about Elon. We should get into those. First of all, you mentioned that there's a lot of advertisers suddenly suspended placing their ads on X Twitter because Elon made apparently a, what was perceived as an anti-Semitic comment. Elon then goes on stage at a New York Times event this week and tells those advertisers, including Bob Eisner of Disney, who's sitting in front of him, to go F themselves if they're going to keep doing this because it'll kill Twitter. How do you even cover that story? You can't even actually say what he said. I'm not even saying and We're on the Internet. I could actually <laughs> say it if I wanted to. What do you make of that? Uh, I, I mean, at this point, there is a consistency to the what people would call madness. Um, I mean, Musk wants to promote anti-Semitism on Twitter. Let's just put it out there. This is not an accident. He's not stumbling into this. And he even, you know, in the Deal Book Summit said that was an unwise thing to do. OK, yeah, it was an unwise thing to do. But he did it and he's done it before. Um, he wants a platform where he can promote anti-Semitism. Um, he wants a platform where he can call people who want to rescue young boys in danger, pedo guy. He wants that. He loves it. He thrives on it. If you're an advertiser, come on. If you're yeah. Disney's Bob Iger, do you want your ads next to content that's being promoted and celebrated by neo-Nazis? Of course you don't. If you're ABC, if you're you know, the Washington Post, just to name a couple of organizations. Um, no, of course you don't. Uh, so that's how but the free market works. Editorializing. If he was just running the operation, that'd be one thing, but he keeps slipping in these editorials. Right. Well, because it has to be about him. He's not just the owner. Look, the Dallas Mavericks are owned by Mark Cuban. I know that's now up in the air and he's selling it, but I just yeah. used it as an example. But it's not Mark Cuban on the court, right? He's the owner, and he says, go hire good players, go yeah. be a team. Elon Musk buys Twitter, and instead of saying, go find people that are good selling ads, you know, he brings Lindy Yaccarino in, who has a great reputation for selling ads. And then he tells the advertisers, hey, go F yourself. Well, that's 
not good for business, but it's also not good for business to say, we want your ads next to neo-Nazi content. Nobody wants that. If he doesn't understand that, he has to understand the difference between free speech and hate speech. And yeah, free speech is great, but if you're going to use your right to free speech to promote neo-Nazi ideas, good luck getting advertised. And that's all I can say. This is no longer a mystery to me. This is Musk self-immolating himself. Twitter, as far as I'm concerned, I've never had more followers. I've never had a bigger audience. It's great for getting the news out, but I totally understand why companies want to pull their advertising. And by the way, pulling your advertising from a site that insists on hate speech is not blackmail. Musk keeps using the term blackmail. That also is something you don't question. Media matters for precisely that, right? Well, he's saying Media Matters is making stuff up when they say they have evidence that IBM ads are next to neo-Nazi content or the Washington Post ads are next to hate speech. Um, and that's something that will be, you know, figured out in court. Do they have the evidence to write these articles? But to say that advertisers are blackmailing him, that's not what advertisers do. They spend money on your site unless there's no reason to spend money on your site. Or in Musk's case, there's a very specific reason not to spend money on your site. That's what he has to start to understand. I sense a little bit of business hypocrisy and cynicism and all that because uh, these advertisers are still involved with TikTok. And TikTok, you know, is becoming more asymmetric than just about any platform out there. And I know TikTok's trying to start it. They've said they've found unbelievable 35 million fake accounts that they've had to stop since the start of the uh, the Gaza war. I'll call it the Gaza war, which is up 67%. So why isn't Disney and all that pulling out of TikTok as well? I want to see, I want to see a concerted effort that supports what they propose profess to believe. And I, I wonder why Twitter's getting it and not TikTok. Why not both of them? Because I, mean, I, I think I think Twitter's getting it more because the owner is promoting this speech and yeah. he insists on that front and center. Um, a lot of what we see on Twitter that's controversial, we wouldn't see unless Elon Musk promoted it. That aside, that doesn't excuse TikTok. TikTok is a real problem for the U.S. TikTok, you know, that's for maybe for another show, but I'm worried about TikTok and where our young people are going politically because of it. Um, yeah. And I don't know that that's because of the ads or, or sort of the content, the algorithms that are being pushed on our young people, but um, that's a, a big discussion to be had. And... Um, and that was one of the we've been calling it an evil swamp for a long time. And I don't think that um, there's one theory that neither party wants to wants to piss off young people. And if right. they were to really shut down TikTok, they might lose votes. I mean, the possibly, next possibly. Um, I mean, the young people are are resilient. You know, it's, it's not like politicians shut down, um, say, MySpace. But after MySpace, people found, you know, Facebook, they found Instagram, they found TikTok, they found Twitter. So young people will find whatever is, is available. Um, but 
TikTok is gigantic. I'll give you that. And uh, it's it's just a big issue that really needs to be looked at by legislators who understand what's going on and who understand the technology. Okay. And finally, back to back to Elon, but at least to Tesla, there is now a strike going on uh, at Tesla in Sweden. And uh, the UAW apparently is watching it very closely because they're considering now extending those those many strikes, those victor- those victorious strikes, to Tesla itself. What what do you think are the chances of that? And we'll close with that today. I think the chances are are pretty good of of them at least putting pressure on Tesla, and I would include Toyota in there. I know that's one of the targets uh, as well. Um, and much like the big three. Uh, you know, is now paying more and and really, you know, changed that. Um, it shows that uh, labor has power, that these unions have power. And uh, I think that power is going to be flexed in the direction of Tesla and Toyota. And I think it's up to those companies to respond um, with whatever it takes, whether it's higher wages, better benefits, stock options, whatever it takes to please those employees, because we have seen this surge of union power that I don't remember seeing, dare I say, even in my lifetime. It's been a while. No, it's a 50s, it's... 50s and 40s kind of phenomenon right now. Yeah, and I speak not only of, of the auto industry, but but of Hollywood as well. And, I mean, Starbucks is unionizing. It's it's fairly impressive to see just how much power these guys are, are wielding. And, um, and if higher wages and better benefits come from it, that's what we should have. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the... If the power that you say of these successful strikes is now aimed elsewhere. And it's up to these companies to respond, right? Or else they'll have picketers. And Elon, once again, has put it out there. He said, if if we get unionized, it's because we deserve it. Okay. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. All right. That's it for now, folks. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 